innovative Often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it Make it way harder for them to follow What I take it Hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious bruh I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk You painted skunks You played enough I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight WHUPLP Hillsboro, North Carolina, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. I am Jeff Shaw, and I'm here live in studio with you. Feels good to be back in North Carolina. We're going to have some great guests today, some great guests planned for the future, and I can't wait to get started. We have kind of a packed show today because there's a lot going on. Uh, in the realm of face punching and body kicking, the International Kickboxing Federation is having their World Classic this very weekend, and we have two guys named Evan competing. Our man Trevor Hayes is on the scene cornering fighters and calling in in about three minutes with a live update for how our local guys are doing. We're also going to give you full coverage of the Pro Jitsu Professional Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu card, Pro Jitsu 5, in Wilmington, North Carolina last night. We're going to have a brief interview with a coach of two of the competitors at that event, Jeremy Orell, a.k.a. The Gerbil, owner of Great Grappling Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And we will also have a live in-studio, very popular former guest, really active competitor, prominent guy on the scene, John Bagels Telford. We're going to talk to him about his match with John with Josh Murdoch last night, which was one of the best matches of the event, I think, about the event generally. We're going to recap Pro Jitsu with him and bagels is making the matches for the next toro cup card which is going to be september 10th and we're going to talk to him about the next big super fight card uh toro cup about the process of matchmaking and about the future of super fight events in north carolina all of that over the next hour but first we're going to get into the news and in order to get into the news i'm going to have to tell you how to get at us we're our, uh you can always email us at cagesidewhoop at gmail.com we're on twitter and instagram at cageside whup cageside whoop our Facebook page is Cageside Radio. You can always let us know if, uh, please let us know what you think of the show. Please let us know if there's any news we're missing. Please let us know if there's any interviewees that you would particularly want to hear uh, on the radio program. And you can always download us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a review on those places. It's the best way to grow the show. So uh, let's get right into the news. And the, for those of you that are aficionados of uh Muay Thai. Uh, the International Kickboxing Federation is holding this very weekend its most prominent amateur tournament, which is the IKF World Classic. That is a Muay Thai kickboxing championship in Orlando, Florida. It takes place from the 22nd to the 24th of North Carolina, and we have two local guys competing, both of whom are being cornered by our guy Trevor Hayes. There's an adult men's division, adult women's division, there's junior boys and girls divisions. It's a huge event. A uh, big hotel with a lot of fighters playing Pokemon Go, from what I understand. We'll ask Trevor about that when he calls in in a second. It is full contact Muay Thai. And so uh, th this is one of those events that's big enough to take a road trip full of folks down. And that's what and that's what Trevor's going to do. So we have two guys competing, uh, both named Evan, which is an odd coincidence, but a like, one, but 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 a lovely one. Uh, big Evan, Evan Daniel, uh, fought yesterday, uh, and we'll ask Trevor about sort of his warrior-like performance. And Evan Arredondo uh, from Gracie Raleigh is also fighting this weekend. He has a title fight today, which we're going to be able to ask Trevor about. So uh, that's uh, as I mentioned, they're down in Orlando, Florida, right now. 
Um, hey, and joining me, uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk to John in a second. I already gave John Bagels Telford the interview, but because John has entered the studio, and welcome, sir. Um, we, uh, I thought that we would ask, uh, while we're waiting for Trevor to call in, I'll, uh, I'll, introduce, uh, I'll introduce John again. So John Bagels Telford is a prominent brown belt competitor, uh, U.S. grappling aficionado, had a tremendous super fight match last night with Josh Murdoch, which I thought was one of the best matches on the Pro Jitsu card, and matchmaker for this Toro Cup. And so we're going to talk to John about Toro Cup in just a second. But right now, let's get right to Trevor Hayes. Do we have the one and only Trevor Hayes on the line? It is me. How's it going, Jeff? Everything is wonderful. You've got me and John Telford in the studio with you. Hey, Bagels is in studio with you. Get out of here. Yeah, John's gonna be. Uh, can Can you hear him, Bagels? No. Uh, okay. We're We're gonna try and make it so Bagels can hear you. But uh, But for the most part, he's just gonna. He's just gonna nod I don't sagaciously. Like to hear myself talk either. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird, right? It's weird. You yeah. just nod sagaciously. Yeah. Um, he's doing a great job with the sagacious nodding. So, <laughs> So Trevor, you're down at the IKF World Classic Muay Thai Kickboxing Championship, and this is probably the biggest IKF amateur event. Is that right? Uh, it is, yes, sir. There are uh, people here um, from California, Canada, Mexico, Chile. Uh, there's a kid here from China. It, is, it really is a world championship tournament. There are people here from all over. So there's quite a turnout here, and I could not be happier with my guys right now. And so I, I introduced them before you got on, but we, you have two Evans. You have Evan Daniel and Evan Arredondo, and maybe you could <laughs> tell us a little, a little bit about the little Evan, yeah. big Evan and little Evan. Um, so, so tell us about them in yeah. descending order, the big one first and then the little one. All right, big Evan first. Uh, I've been working with him for six months now, and together, including this tournament, we've gone three and one together. Um, and yesterday, he had the best fight of uh, he's had the best fight yet. Um, great kid, really tough. He came out and he stopped the guy with a knee in the first round. Uh, doing so in that fight, he threw the only roundhouse he threw, and it made the guy back up. He happened to break his ankle doing so. Uh, and so he still managed to go on and fight the next fight. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to him. I said, hey, are you sure you want to do this? And he said, yeah, I'm here. So let's do it. And I said, all right, cool. But as soon as he got out there, he couldn't use his legs at all. He couldn't push off. Uh, <laughs> and so he kind of he had a very limited game. He ended up losing on points. He had a hard time checking, couldn't throw any kicks, and uh, fought a really tough guy from American Top Team. So, uh, and, you know, afterwards, the guys hugged it out. They smiled. They exchanged numbers. And uh, there were compliments from both sides. Um, and then the other one I have here, uh, Little Evan. Uh, we all call him Tiny Dancer because he moves around a lot. The little dancer that he is. And uh, he won his fight by decision yesterday. Uh, actually beat the teammate of the guy Evan lost to from American Top Team. Uh, great performance, won by decision. Uh, Evan and I have gone... I uh, we've one of much fights together so far the year I've worked with him uh, he's come along great and he's fighting for the championship today and Excellent. he's uh, he's excited he's ready he's just he's learning how to have fun so well so so let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, uh, big Evans injury first which is uh, yes. which is it's got to be tough because I imagine you use you, you need your legs for kickboxing and yeah, uh, he yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah he's, he still can't walk today it's it's, it's real real bad yeah. So, but but um, but still, like the warrior spirit there, awesome to, that he was able to continue and power through that fight. Um, so, so Evan Daniel had two fights. Uh, Evan Arredondo won one fight to get to the championship match today. Yes. Yeah. It, it's just all about you know who signs up for the uh, brackets and divisions. 
Mm-hmm. It depends on how many fights there were. I told the guys, you might have one fight, you might have three. Usually, you'll have about three for a championship fight. And so tell us, a little, tell us a little bit about the format of the fights. Do they have rounds? Is it one long round? Um, no, so it is, uh, they're all three two-minute rounds uh, for it goes as you know, any kind of amateur kickboxing uh, event is. There's always three two-minute rounds, unless you might have a title fight in a, uh, like, outside of a tournament, might be five rounds usually. Um, but all the rounds today, including championship rounds, are all three two-minute rounds. Uh, they're all wearing headgear, gloves, shin guards. Um, the division that the guys are in is uh, the Muay Thai division, so there is clinch work and knees, uh, sweeps, throws, no knees to the head, no elbows to the head. So it's still, you know, modified rules for these amateurs. Makes sense. And so what do you know about Evan Arredondo's opponent in his in his title fight today? I, from what we saw yesterday, kid's a good boxer. Gets a little bladed. I told Evan, you know, stay relaxed. Don't box the boxer. Just Can, stay tight. Find your push kicks. Find your clinch. Every time you kick that guy in the leg, if it happens to move his leg, you fall right back up, and then you fall with punches. Can you so explain to me... The legs for, fall back to the head. Can you explain to those of us that aren't familiar uh, with kickboxing what you mean by bladed? By blade, yeah, I apologize. Uh, so traditional tie boxing has a very uh, squared up, straightforward stance. Uh, think about just pointing your belly buttons at each other and hips forward, if that makes sense. Your feet are still apart, you know, one foot forward, one foot back, but you're very much more forward. Where bladed is what you say when it's a traditional boxing sense, where the guys are much more narrow with one foot behind the other and your hips pointed at each other, if that makes sense. Maybe no y- makes perfect sense. I can visualize it. So what? Co- yeah. What's your what? What is the game plan? You, so you told him not to box the boxer. That seems wise. Yeah. Do you game yeah. plan for a specific opponent, or do you tell him to just kind of go out and do his thing and ignore what the other guy's trying to do? Well, I tell Evan. I tell these guys like, look, you don't have any footage or tape on these guys. Just go out there, and it's my job as a coach to give you as many tools as possible. Uh, you know, and, and it's up to them how they use them. Evan is really good at uh, executing. You know, and using his tools, if that makes sense. He's good about reading. He's good about having an answer for something that anybody will throw at him. Um, you know, much like in jiu-jitsu, you guys drill. This is what I do to attack. This is what I do if it goes wrong. All right, if he defends this, I do that. If I attack, it goes wrong, I do this. And it's the exact same principle in uh, kickboxing and Muay Thai. So I told Evan, here's the game plan. Stay tight, attack the legs, eat the body up, break them down. His hands open up, you attack, then you go right back to the body. Fantastic. What what time yeah. is that? What time is Evans fight today? I want to say around eleven o'clock. Uh, the fights are getting underway at ten thirty today. I want to say there's gonna be two fights and then he'll be up. Maybe the bracket they didn't really update him like they said they would. Are you gonna so. be able to? So you're gonna be cornering him during that fight. But uh, can we count on you to send us uh, send us the outcome so we can post it to the Facebook page? Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. And obviously, any video you can get, we'll post as well. Ah, uh, yeah, they're not letting me record anything. I was kind of bummed out about that. You oh. had to pay, like, extra money to record the fight. So I was like, oh, that's a smart move. Just pretend you're playing Pokemon Go. Everybody else there is, right? Oh, everyone, yeah, there's so many grown men and fighters who are playing Pokemon Go. It's not even funny. <laughs> that's it. What's the coolest thing you've caught while you're down there? Uh, I caught a level 6-something Golduck, a level 8-something Pinsir. Oh. 
and something else. Big- oh, and I got the uh, I got the EV hack to work. So yeah, I got that going for me. That's awesome. You got you also got the bagels groan of approval. That was- I was I can't escape this Pokemon. Thing, <laughs> All the great grappling guys are playing yesterday. Dude, I might not be I might not be able to beat either of the Murdoch brothers at jujitsu, but I bet my Pokemon squad is better. I think Jeremy Arell is like a beast. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> black black belt in jujitsu, black belt in Pokemon. He like looks at him oh, after lunch and he's like, "All right, what are you guys gonna do? I'm going poker hunting." <laughs> oh my goodness! Squad goals. We will play a five minute interview with Jeremy that does not include Pokemon later in the show. But for now, Trevor, any uh, we're gonna wish uh, Evan Evan Daniel a speedy recovery and Evan Arredondo the best of luck. But do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Um. I don't know. Uh, it's been a really fun experience. Um, we've had a great time down here. Um, I got to corner my buddy Holden from Chris Clodfelter's gym. Um, he went one and one yesterday. We've had an absolute blast. Johnny Davis does an amazing job as far as organizing this and how well it's run. Um, so big. Sh- hopefully we can get Johnny Davis on the show. He's a great guy, great stories. Uh, I couldn't be happier. You know, even if Evan does not win the title, uh, the improvement he's had in the time we've worked together uh, I couldn't be happier for these guys. I'm kind of speechless right now. So, this coaching stuff is stressful, but it's really fun at the same time. And I got to meet Don Wilson, so that was a pretty cool thing too. That's awesome. If you want, and if you want to see a photo of Trevor with Don the Dragon Wilson, you can go to our Facebook page, which is Cage Side Radio. So, Trevor Hayes, congratulations to your guys. Congratulations to you as a coach, and thanks as always for calling in. Yeah, absolutely. You ever watch any Starstruck? You should see me when I saw Don Wilson. Everyone was shocked for the first time. I didn't have anything dumb to say, and I was like shaking and stuttering. So. <laughs> well, I'm sad we didn't get video of that, but maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe next we time should, we should we should have gotten video of that. Yeah, find, but, um, find yeah, him and tell him find him and tell him we want him on the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to go find him actually right now. Yeah. All right, you guys have a, a fun rest of the day, and uh, you guys will hear from me soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Trevor. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. As to transition to our interview with John Telford, I'm going to play a, uh, a bumper that's really going to annoy Trevor. Dude, I then think again. vegans are awesome. So that was from Dave Camarillo's Position Impossible podcast, which you all should check out if you're not listening to it already. Um, and thank, my thanks to Trevor Hayes for calling in, and thanks to both the uh, both the Evans for doing such great work down in Orlando, Florida. But it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the studio uh, Forged Fitness, Brown Belt, uh, prominent man about town, rock hunter, rock star, John Bagels Telford. John, thanks a lot for moving some privates around to, to, to make time for to be in the studio today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. So um, over the course of the next few uh, next 40 minutes or so we're going to do a couple things we're going to talk to john uh, you know if you haven't checked out our first interview with john um, it's one of our most popular shows so go ahead to our soundcloud page and check that out we're going to follow up on some of the stuff we didn't get to talk to him about with that but we're also going to talk uh to him about pro jitsu about his match with josh murdoch last night about the event as a whole and what some of y'all might not know and i know that is that that john you know everyone knows john does a lot of work with toro bjj john's doing the matchmaking for the next big toro cup card on september 10th um, which is very exciting. I don't know if we can reveal any of the matches. I got a couple. Got a couple we can reveal. Couple. Excellent. I got a couple teasers. I'm very, I'm very excited because, like, you know, I, John and I've been talking behind the scenes about this. I know he's bringing in some amazing talent, so I'm really excited to talk to you not only about that specific card, but the future of events like that in North Carolina. So, actually, so that should be really fun. Um, so let's, uh, so let's get started. Let's talk about Pro Jitsu last night, and I do want to get into your match, but which I thought was one of the best matches on the card. But like, what, what was your overall impressions of the event? 
hot. <laughs> it was hot. Um, it was it was great. Um, I like the Projitsu guys. I really appreciate what they're doing for the community and trying to support a lot of the local guys that that are going out there and competing and you know putting it on the line at a lot of the local events and giving them somewhere to kind of showcase their talents. Um, the show they had some they had some issues with the air conditioning, so they had to like change venues and stuff. I think it seemed like they handled that pretty well. I thought the new venue was pretty nice. I I didn't see. I've been to the old venue. This venue seemed great compared to the other venues. So like, I didn't see the issue there. Um, yeah, I thought the venue was nice. It was the, yeah. the YMCA in um, in Wilmington. Yeah, it was it was big. It was nice. Like. It was cool. Yeah, um, and anybody, and like, I agree, and, and like, those guys are doing really, I mean, I'm really glad those shows are getting put on. We're going to get, <laughs> um, we're going to get Matt Brown at the very least in studio here in the next month or so to talk about upcoming Pro Jitsu cards, which I think is, it will be really cool. And like, anybody who's put on an event also knows venue problems are just some, sometimes you can't control that, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, like, the, the air conditioning went out, I think, and like, that's... <laughs> Unless you're an HVAC technician and you've got your stuff on the yeah, site, yeah. you're just kind of kind of at the mercy of of stuff. But you know, again, I you know I appreciate the scramble of like, you know, this this isn't like a huge money making venture for them. So I appreciate them going out of their way to like make sure the event still happened. I'm sure it would have been much easier just to cancel the show and you know go about your business. Yeah, and there were several matches on that on that card that I was really excited to see. And so before we get into yours, I would like I have my ideas of my favorite few matches from the card last night, but I, I wanted to get your take. I know you probably didn't get to watch them all. Yeah, I really I only saw like in full I saw CJ's match with Rafael de Sanos, um which I thought was awesome. I thought both those guys like they really put it out put it on and like put it out there. Um they both kind of mirrored each other's attacks a lot especially on the feet, which I thought was really interesting. Um, that's really the only match I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the Jeff Munson match. It, nah, not, <laughs> they never, like, they never really got a chance to, like, get get after it, really. Like, I think, I think if they'd grappled longer, I think Dan Miller would have, was, was gonna, was gonna win that, hands down. Um, but yeah, CJ's, CJ's match was really the only one I saw through and through. Um, but I, I thought that one was really exciting. Yeah, I, I think honestly, if you if you had to pick one other than yours, that would be the one to have watched. Either that or the Butch and Marcelo match, the other black belt match was. Yes, I did see. I did see that one. That one was crazy. I saw. I saw the end of it once it got to like the overtime section or or whatever it's called. Yeah, right. I, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what it's called either. But but yeah, like those were two close, hard fought matches between very technical guys, and the match was. And we're gonna play like a five minute clip from an interview I did with Jeremy Orell before that match, um, in, in a second. And uh, you know, and so you'll sort of get. Which, which will be interesting to listen to in retrospect because, you know, I wanted to get Jeremy's take on these matches before they happened. And so, like, one of the things that... that one, so there are two reasons that I really liked the cj Rafael match. Um, the first is that just really high-level technical skill. Like, both guys going after it. And the second is you kind of got to see... Like, CJ hadn't rolled with Rafael since CJ was a blue belt. And CJ's skills have just grown exponentially. And so it's kind of cool to watch that progression and to see... You know, to see CJ's growth as as a jujitsu athlete, which has been just tremendous and really inspiring to watch. I feel like that's like the the sub story every time CJ competes is like we're gonna talk about how much CJ's grown since the last time, right? Like that's CJ. CJ's just always evolving and like like you said, it shows and it was it's great to watch. Yeah, you know, and I talked to CJ afterward, it was funny because like, you know, Hafield's been a black belt since before CJ started training and is a beast. And and you know, so 
I thought to go out there and tooth and nail, I thought it was a, an extremely close match. That and, and and I mean, if I were CJ, I would have strutted around like Ric Flair, so proud. But CJ actually, you know, and I hope he doesn't mind me revealing this. Like CJ's like, yeah, man, I just went backstage and I sobbed for like five minutes because I couldn't do anything to the guy, and I was like, dude, <laughs> you know. I, I, Sometimes, and you know, and you understand that. I mean, you must understand. Yeah, that. I met him back there with a glass of ice water. My, I like the the ice water I had. I was like, CJ, you know, like you're my brother, right? Like we've been through so much together. So like, I see him there and like give him my water. And like you said, he was he was very emotional. I think a lot of that was the CJ puts a lot into these things, and he's fighting like somebody that he really looks up to as an idol. So like. This is a big, a big day for him, a big moment, and it kind of all culminated then. And I mean, and you know, and it's easy for me to say as, as like an observer, somebody who's not that ta- caught up in the emotion. Like I was super proud of CJ. I thought he looked like a monster, and I, I mean, I thought he really exhibited. And, and you know, one thing Jeremy Orell, who we'll play an interview from in a second, kept saying, like his consistent advice was CJ push the pace, CJ keep attacking, and CJ did. Like he tried all kind of throws, all kind of takedowns. When he was on, on top, he was. You know, he was he was attacking relentlessly. I think the whole time, which is both of them were. Yeah, they they both did the same. Like their their coaching or uh, Jeremy pretty much coached them the same for for his match and my match. Like it was be aggressive, push the pace, push the pace. Like and that's what they did. Yeah, and like and so um, that that provides a nice segue because like from my perspective as an uh, you know as just an observer, either. Either of either of those two matches, your match or CJ's match with Rafael, were the match of the night. And I want to talk to you about your match in a moment, but first I want to play about four minutes of an interview that I did with CJ's coach, Jeremy Orell, about their game plan with uh, for the matches between CJ and Rafael. And so Jeremy Orell is the coach of, uh, he's the owner of Great Grappling Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he, uh, we'll, you'll hear a little bit about him, and we'll be back with John Telford in about four minutes. So you have CJ Murdoch and Josh Murdoch competing today, and uh, I know that Josh has competed against or trained with John Telford before. How, how do you prepare uh, a guy like that for a match against an opponent of that nature? You know, um, Josh and CJ, they've had a number of coaches, but um, the way that we do things at Great Grappling is a little bit different. I try to apply uh, professional training mentality to an amateur sport. And so. Uh, we're a lot more structured, a lot more regimented. Uh, I make all of the pair-ups. I push them in a way that they haven't before. Um, when we formulate strategies and things like that, it's uh, tailored around games that they already play in it. Whereas uh, I think that they've had some good teachers. I think that coaching is a different dynamic. Uh, instead of it being uh, technique production, it's technique selection. And uh, I've been working on them with that a lot. So whereas I think that they had really great technique before, uh, sometimes they were choosing uh, second and third string techniques in, in chains. And so we're flushing that out a little bit more, filling in some of the holes that they had between really great techniques. Both of them are very fantastic grapplers. They really have uh, good control of their body, good perception, good awareness. But they really needed somebody to formulate strategies for them. So when you see uh, their performance in grappling lately, they've been doing a lot better. And I think that a lot of that is that uh, I take over a lot of the coaching duties, a lot of teaching duties that allows them to just... Uh, you know, sit back and, and just soak in the knowledge and, and be athletes rather than being their own coaches as well. I think that that's really the main difference between what they were doing before and what they're doing now. So as a coach, how do you, how do you, how does it differ pre-match preparation versus in-match coaching? 
Well, repetition is the mother of success, you know, so uh, sometimes we watch videos, but uh, generally right now we're just overhauling their game. Um, I know them intimately because we train together every day, um, and so the things that I'm yelling to them and coaching a lot of times now uh, aren't necessarily attacks because they're pretty good at that, but just making sure that... Uh, you know, they're connecting their head where they're supposed to be, their hands, um, pointing out pitfalls, you know, hey, watch out for that triangle, you need to posture. Uh, if I see maybe a hole in, in their, the other person's game that um, we didn't know about before because I'm seeing it right in that moment, sometimes I can yell things out like that. But for the most part, uh, at this level of competition, I'm ma mainly a cheerleader, you know. So what do you expect out of Josh's match? Is there a particular strategy you expect Josh to try to implement against John Telford? That's a good question. Uh, you know, uh, Bagels, John, is, is a fantastic grappler. Um, both CJ and his brother are samurai. You know, they, they really go for the, the submission. Uh, and so I would like to see uh, Josh just implement a game. You know, he, he does very well flowing from one thing to the next. Uh, in my opinion, scrambling is gambling. I would like to see uh, Josh uh, do a little bit more domination. We've been working a lot of half guard, uh, a lot of uh, two-on-one. I, I expect to see a lot of two-on-one and half guard this. CJ hasn't ruled with Rafael dos Santos since, since CJ was in blue belts. Obviously, a lot has changed since then. But what kind of stuff do you expect out of CJ? You know, that, that's going to be a real tough one. Um, Rafael is an amazing competitor, amazing uh, guy, great teacher, great coach. Uh, I expect this to be a very tough uh, matchup. Uh, I believe uh, CJ has a skill set that can lead him to victory, but it wouldn't surprise me if it goes either way. Um, the main thing is that it's going to be that uh, CJ stays cool, collected, plays his game. Uh, if he goes in there with confidence, he's very capable of winning that match, but I'm just as interested to see it as you. Anything that you want to say about your school, about your YouTube channel, about any of your other grapplers? Fantastic. I'll take a free plug on the YouTube channel. Uh, I put a lot into my YouTube channel. I have about 17,500 subscribers, just over 225 videos. Most of them are technique videos. Uh, you can see that at uh, www.youtube.com backslash GGBJJ. That stands for Great Grappling Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I'm constantly putting up new techniques there, sometimes when I film them in class, sometimes when I uh, film them outside of class, edit them together. Um, but... Uh, We've got a lot of big things coming up at Great Grappling. I just uh, I just secured a house 3,800 square feet, and we're be putting 10 competitors in it. Uh, we're going to be putting a, a media push together for that. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be going with Tap House, which is uh, training athletes professionally. Uh, I want to give guys in an amateur sport an opportunity to come together, not worry about food, not worry about uh, clothing, shelter, anything like that. I take care of those things. They wake up, they train, uh, and then they go to sleep. And I, I think that... Uh, while that's not a 100% success rate, you know, we're, we're going by, by numbers. So uh, you train like a professional, you'll get professional results. So that was Jeremy Orell from Great Grappling Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, who had two competitors on the Pro Jitsu show last night. Uh, not only did he talk about some of the matches, but some exciting news about things going on over there that we'd like to get Jeremy full on in studio to talk about, about the fighter house and things like that. But for our purposes today... So you've had a match with Josh, and you've trained with and competed against Josh many times before, right? Yep. Does that so? I, I, I want before we get into the the whys and wherefores of the match. Does it make does that make it harder or easier to compete against somebody you've competed against regularly who you like a lot personally? Um. Yes and no. This situation is kind of different, and it's, I'm sure this kind of segues into your next question. But the the big the big interesting thing coming into this match was. 
Y- yes, I've competed against the Murdochs. We've competed against each other for years. Um, but like you hear Jeremy talk about in that previous interview, throughout all those years, they had, they've had fantastic coaches, but they were kind of like hopping around or you know moving and ha- doing a lot of training on their own and, like he said, being forced to kind of be their own coach. And I knew and I, I've been seeing the progression in both of their games, but especially Josh's since, since moving to great grappling. And so I knew that this we've competed before, but for all intents and purposes, we haven't because this is going to be a completely different person that I competed against before. And, and it was. Yeah, his transitions really looked amazing. So, you know, and I, I was just watching a bit from the perspective of someone who was, who was in the match. Break down Josh's performance for me. Yeah, Josh Josh came out and, you know, like I said, we've we've done this dance a couple times. So, like, they know, we know each other's game pretty well. So they he came out very aggressive, pushing the pace, not letting me settle in anywhere. And uh, like Jeremy talked about in his interview, his transitions were just great. He, he never stopped flowing from one thing to the next. So I never really got to set up anything or start to start to break or pass the guard. I was constantly defending the choke or defending the arm, especially from inside the closed guard. He had, he had very fluid attacks. Mm-hmm. And so, like you know, we we haven't we haven't come out and said this yet, but you know, Josh wound up submitting you, uh, which is a very difficult task that not a lot of people have done, uh, with what's called a with what he calls a peekaboo choke. It was a little bit of a, a collar choke from a technical mount position, and it looked to me. Like he was, he was doing what you said about you know attacking the arm to set up other attacks. Um, is that um, like how, how did that? Can you break down the finish for me? Yeah. So he had been, we had been kind of like in this scramble where he was like an attacking an armbar, right? And I was kind of turning to come on top and like clear the leg off of my head and try to come up to top. And we, he kind of, I kind of dropped into that little hole in technical mount. Right, so he had his hips behind my triceps, so I couldn't get my shoulder to the mat. But then, instead of instead of continuing to attack the armbar with one of the hands, he fed a thumb in grip into the collar and attacked like a what people call like a paper cutter or a bread cutter choke. All right, so where normally you would come under the far the far tricep to keep him from rolling back, he already had that shoulder trapped from the armbar, so he had the the armbar. Or the cutter choke, or the whatever he calls it, the peekaboo choke, I think, or Pikachu, or I, I don't know what he called it. It's probably some Pokemon reference. But he had me, he had me trapped pretty good there. I, I couldn't really move. So yeah, so uh, like, so you and I during your previous interview, which I really do encourage folks to to, to check out, you know, because we get into a lot of these issues of competing regularly and leading this lifestyle where you know you're training and competing all the time. You know, it it, it is you know losing is terrible, and I know you're a very competitive person. My question for you is. Is it easier to lose to a good friend or harder, or does it or does it matter to you? So, I mean, that depends on like the aspect of how you're looking at losing. Like, if there's one brown belt that I would be like, like that's the brown belt I have to lose to, Josh Murdoch. Like that's that's I love that guy. That's my boy. We've like we've been friends for a long time. But I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose to him. I don't want to lose to my mom. I don't lose to my grandma. I'm pissed. Like I'm salty about it. I didn't sleep well last night. Like I had a rough ride home. I don't like losing, right? But it's what happens. So you know. So like I said, if I have to lose to somebody, I mean, I mean, it's it's. I'd rather lose to Josh than some d bag I hate, right? Like 
You know, these these are nice guys. I'm cool with that, right? It's like I can Josh can win. I'm happy for him to get some some thunder, get some glory behind him. Like you said, like you know, I haven't been submitted a whole lot at brown belts. Like, man, good good job, Josh. Like, I'd love to like you know see some credit go his way. So, like, related to that, are you even thinking about who your opponent is when you're in the match, or does it like so? For me as a competitor, and I haven't competed as much as you, or on the uh, as high level certainly, but like. I don't think about, like, when I'm in the moment of a match, I don't think about who the other guy even is. I'm just doing jujitsu. Do, do you think, like, are you for ever the aware? Most, for the most part, there's pauses. Like, there were a couple pauses yesterday where we had a good couple transitions where, like, in my mind, I'm like, man, I would totally high-five you right now. Like, that was good, right? So, like, it becomes personal at times. But uh, for me, I'm, I kind of blank out, and it's me fighting me. It's it's not so much me fighting my opponent. I'm I'm always fighting myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I want to. We'll get back to John Bagels Telford, the competitor, and like where you're going to go in your training and competition for here. But I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about John, the matchmaker. Ooh. And you know because so for most people know you know and and you know you had a, a successful MMA fighting career and I believe you did some matchmaking there as well. No, I didn't do matchmaking. No, for I, World I did some other stuff for did World Combat. I mean, okay. I I talked to some fighters, and we could call it matchmaking. Yeah, okay, matchmaking-ish. But but um, but so wrangled so, cats, you know. Yeah, no, everybody. It's it's the best job in martial arts. Gosh, <laughs> idiots. So so yeah, so I'm I'm excited to talk to you about this because so for those of you who who don't know, uh, the Toro Brazilian Jiu Jitsu does a lot to support the community. Sports like you know, John is a sponsored Toro BJJ athlete. Do a, and they and we put on this event called Toro Cup, and we, there's been several iterations of it so far super fight matches generally speaking in the gi we have some no gi matches as well and so for the next one that's september 10th and that's going to be at the new cage side mma triangle jiu-jitsu location on lotter road in durham north carolina correct and so so is this your first experience matchmaking an event like this it is it is it's it's my first experience matchmaking yep a jiu-jitsu event or anything really i mean yeah and how are you how are you finding it so far is it fun is it easy is it a challenge um so the reason I I start I asked to be involved with this is I through U.S. Grappling and through my competition I I've, I've met and know a, a lot of people and so there's a lot of people out there that I felt or knew like man these guys are great competitors they're just like they may not be right around here we don't know about them necessarily like but these guys are out there putting it on the line like I think I could put together a pretty exciting card and so Boomer gave me an opportunity so we'll. Hopefully it's not the worst, the worst card ever. Well, you know, <laughs> well, I doubt that very much. You know, I'm you, fired from my non-paying <laughs> job. Well, you, you, you know, from some of the guys you've talked about me, with me privately about bringing in, and we'll get to some of the matches you can announce in a second. But, but uh, like, I, I doubt very much that it's going to be the worst card ever. I think it's going to be. I doubt pretty, also. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm pretty giddy. Yeah. Well, so so let's get right into it. So, like, what matches can you tell us about that you uh, that you're excited about? Well, so we'll start. Like this one's it's 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 gonna be a little more high level. Um so this one right now I have four black belt matches and four brown belt matches, which are gonna be like kind of headlining the card. Um I can I can give you a couple specific matches at the moment. Um one that I'm really excited about, I'm gonna have Isaac Renner from Beta Academy. Um that's with Nakapon in Washington DC. He's gonna come down and have a no gi match with Joe Selecki. All right, and Joe Joe Selecki is a is a killer. Everybody knows Joe. Um, Isaac Renner is a friend of mine who a competitor 
competes at U.S. Grappling and does a lot of IBJJF events. He has a very good no-gi game also. So uh, I'm interested to see these two guys two guys get at it in, in a no-gi battle. I, w- I wish that we were doing a video podcast so people could have seen my reaction to that match yeah. because, man, that's yeah. an exciting match. I mean, both of those guys, like, technical, like, talented. Selecki is a, is a beast who is focused and, like, a super serious, like, active competitor in both jiu-jitsu and MMA. Uh, man, I'm excited to see that match. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's, like, some interesting dynamics in that match that I'm interested to see. I There's some parts of, of Joe's game that I haven't seen, not to say that he's not amazing at him. I, I, I just haven't seen him in the couple of times I've watched him roll that are like kind of attributes in Isaac's game and vice versa. So I'm interested to see how how they, they kind of play into each other in a Nogi matchup. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see that. And like one one thing I'll say, so you know, it, it's funny to me, those, those that know Isaac and have watched him roll and train know exactly how much of a beast that dude is. I think Joe is probably a little more, you know, for lack of a better word, famous at yep. this point. But, but, but don't sleep on Isaac is, is sort of my main, uh, my, my main thing about Isaac. Isaac's a, a fantastic jiu-jitsu athlete. And the thing about, the thing about Joe, too, and I'm glad that you, you mentioned it this way, often, because Joe was so young and sort of burst on the scene a bunch... Um, sometimes people will be like, well, okay, he's really good at X, but we haven't seen him do Y. And like before the second Toro Cup, people just knew him as mostly a no-gi competitor. And so people were like, well, let's see what he's like in the gi. And he had a great match with Jordan Rinaldi where he was able to submit Jordan very quickly in the gi and very technically. Oh, I'm, f- I'm familiar with Joe Selecki's <laughs> skills in the gi. So a lot of this is, so like some of these people that I've, that I've put together on this card are people that are, I, they're good competitors, and I know they're good competitors because they beat me, and like, and they beat me like maybe soundly or like I. It might have like Joe Selecki and I went to a draw at Fight Lab. Wow! But I think Joe, like, I think Joe is or, or not a draw. It was a like a, like a submission only thing mm-hmm. where they then like decided on some sort of points, right? And like Joe won some right, but like Joe won. Like if there was a points match, Joe won. If whatever the, whatever the criteria was, Joe won. Um, and I remember watching him after that just, like, climbing the ladder. And, you know, as a matchmaker, you're supposed to be able to look at matches and not have any idea what's going to happen. Like, I have no clue what's going to happen when these two step up to face each other, and I'm super excited about it. Yeah, that's a tremendous match. Um, and we can get into what makes a good match, too. I, 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 I'd I, like to talk to you a little bit about that if we have time, but it seems like you have one or two more matches that yeah. you can tell us about. Yeah, I've got... Um, so an, another two like studs that I think are going to be awesome. I've got DeAndre Corbet representing a uh, coastal BJJ out of Virginia Beach and Nestor Bayot, and he's going to be coming down to have a brown belt match with Nick Maynard. Oh wow! From Team Rock Charlotte under Snake, and if you've seen Nick, he doesn't compete a like a whole whole lot, but when he does. I've seen him beat some really, really good people. People I respect a lot. Um, yeah, he beat, both, beat Jin Ho Kim on the first Toro he, Cup he, card. He beat Jin Ho. Um, I think he ended up catching CJ with like a leg lock at the whatever that thing was for all the money yeah, back the, in the day. The uh, uh, ka, ka, was it Kakuto? No, no that's no. the other thing. It uh, was it uh, was. Uh, uh, a, uh, it starts with an S, maybe. Well, anyway, it was uh, awesome. Yeah. They, they were like paying people a whole bunch of money to grapple. It was cool. I can't remember the name though. But, anyways, it, Nick Maynard's really good. He's a stud. He's a young guy. Um, I'm really interested to see these two guys get after it. And then the one black belt match that I can announce right now that I'm pretty stoked about this that brings us back to where we've been earlier is going to be C.J. Murdoch 
versus Mack and Simizer. Oh, wow. So C.J. Murdoch out of great grappling and Fernando Tedede, and uh, he's going to be fighting Mack and Simizer, former UFC fighter representing Luis, Luis Palhares out of uh, Pride Team in Virginia Beach. Um, if you've ever seen Mackens compete and do jiu-jitsu, it is super, super intense. Like, intense. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I watch, I'm like, oh, man, I think there might be a fight over there. <laughs> like, it get, he gets after it. Um, and CJ, you know, CJ's always, always stepping up to the plate and matching or exceeding the competition level of whoever his opponent is. So I think that matchup is just going to be insane. Oh yeah, that matchup. I'm super excited about that already. And you know, and you know, you mentioned how intense Mackens is. You know, CJ. Oh yeah, has that's why this. It's like, oh god, <laughs> like, it's a security. <laughs> like, like if people if people remember CJ's match with Frankie Patches at Toro Cup, like particularly in the overtime period, there was intensity there. There's and so and both of those are, are both both CJ and Mackens are known as really really good nice dudes too but that doesn't mean they won't oh but they're gonna they're both as soon as they step on the mat they're gonna turn it on Mm. and like i remember i like when i told cj about the match i was like cj i got you mackins and he's like thanks my face is gonna hurt (laughs) or something (laughs) like referencing like mackins shoulder pressure and like him being kind of like rough and like strong and i was like yep So I think that's going to be a really good match. Oh man, that's ex- that's that's super exciting. So so one one clarification question. So with uh, DeAndre Corbe against Nick Maynard, is that in the gi? Correct. No, Correct. That's... DeAndre Cor- DeAndre. All of the matches uh, that I've announced so far, except for Isaac and Joe, will be in the gi. No, that's I'm excited to see all of those. And like another thing that you mentioned that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle here, is you said you have four brown belt and four black belt matches made Correct. so far. Correct. I'm like so. The problem right now is not like. I'm going to complain a little bit, right, is I intentionally saved and was saving a bunch of spots on this card for for some high-level lady grapplers, female grapplers, whatever the acceptable term is, mm-hmm. right, because there are a lot. I know a, a good amount. I know at least three from, from Nakapon's gym in D.C. that are very, like, very active competitors. There's, there's the girls from... Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, mm-hmm. who, who compete very regularly. But these girls have had matches, right? So I, I was saving a lot of spots to try to try to highlight some of the some of the female talent that we have right here on the East Coast. But I've really had a lot of trouble getting in touch with people and getting getting people to put matches together mm-hmm. for these people. Um, well, so you- if you're out there and you're a female that's a purple belt and you're interested in competing please contact me. I'm on Facebook. My name's John Bagels-Telford. I would love to match you up for our card. I'm looking for high-level lady grapplers that are looking to compete. Well, we can talk offline about that, too. I have some women grapplers in mind that might be a, that might be a good fit for this. And definitely hit John up on, on Facebook. Um, if, you have, if you are or if you know of someone of, who meets those criteria that would, be, uh, that, would, that would be willing to grapple. I know that some of the great grappling women were also interested in competing, so maybe we could look at that. Um, how many total matches are you, are you trying to put together? We're looking at about 15 is what we're looking at right now. But that's not to say that like maybe the most amazing match ever happens and there's sixteen, right? Because that's round and like you do eight and you have an intermission. I think that boomer guy came up with this fifteen number. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a nice it's like it's I a don't prime. like being put in a box like that. No, man, you gotta you gotta you gotta be flexible. And uh, so let me let me pull the camera back a little bit and you know, and talk ab- about what because you know, I've made matches for the Toro Cup in, in the past and like it's 
really fun. It's really interesting. It can also be kind of a headache or a challenge, as you alluded to, with like trying to find, oh, I need a woman grappler who's a 120-pound purple belt. And then, you know, and then you're trying to find people to, to, to fit that Venn diagram. But like one of the things that, that I always ask myself is what makes a good match? And like some of them, like sometimes the easiest answer for that for me is you look for the best guys that everybody wants to see compete, right? It's like, oh, let's look for these awesome black belts that everybody wants to see compete. And, you know, in some of those matches that you mentioned, you know, meet those criteria. But I think there are other, like, there are some other interesting, and, and, you know, I was thinking about this in the context of the Pro Jitsu card. There are other ways to make a good match as well. Like, one of my favorite Toro Cup matches ever was Ashley McClelland against Christy Machine Cherry. Oh, man. Which was, <laughs> that was crazy. Wasn't it? It was <laughs> this awesome tooth and nail match. And, like, and so it doesn't have to be like, all right, these are these world champion level grapplers, but like sometimes it's just like you find two evenly matched people that are just going to come at it. And so I'm wondering, what do you think makes a good match? What do you look for? So I started this with kind of taking the people that I knew. So my idea with these super fights and these kind of whatever you want to call them, these little shows where we highlight grapplers, um, is that they're to showcase your high-level grapplers, the people that are out there competing and winning, and now we want to showcase them. So say you have the guy that's won every local tournament at at Blue Belt, right? Perfect. So we've seen him win every tournament at Blue Belt. So now I want to see that guy fight somebody else, so I'm going to bring somebody in to fight him, right? So my thought process was taking people that I knew were active competitors. Like I went and looked through some of the results from previous tournaments, Right, I looked through like Naga, Naga Charlotte. Look through the results. First place in what divisions? Let's see who won these divisions. Let's see who won the year before. Let's see who won the year before. Okay, this guy won three times in a row. He's clearly an active competitor. Right, he's trying to do this. He's paying his dues. Right, I'd love to give that guy a chance to showcase his skills. If you're, you know, just like you just want to come and like be a, get a super fight because you like train at the gym a lot. I, I mean, okay, but like, I have no interest in that personally. I'm trying to save those spots for people that are like out there putting it on the line, you know, and they need that little boost. You know, that, that super fight could be the thing that takes that, that blue belt or purple belt local competitor and gets them the opportunity to go compete at a bigger tournament, all right? They do a super fight. Maybe they're able to like pick up some small sponsor, and now like this is the boost they need to get their, get their game going and start, start competing at a higher level, right? I'm trying to help those people out, the people that are, you know, putting in the work, right? Most definitely, most definitely. And I think you highlight something that that, that I often express in terms of combat sports as entertainment. Because you have to, uh, for me, there's sort of two elements of it. The element of deserving and the element of entertaining. Because let's start with the element of deserving, right? If you go and you look at the U.S. grappling results and are like, oh, this cat has won three gold medals in a row. Oh, sweet. Or, or like, oh, this person is a black belt that just won the black belt absolute division at U.S. grappling sub only. Congratulations to Dan Frank, by the way, for double gold. Hey, yeah. Dan, Dan Frank. Frank. Absolutely. We got to get Dan Frank a match. I mean, but Dan Frank has a match. Oh, Dan Frank oh. will be on the card. Oh, oh. Dave Hall will be at the ref. <laughs> I'm just kidding, dude. No pressure. <laughs> We're gonna. Ha- we, what we should do, if for those of you old school wrestling fans, uh, is as get like uh, Dave Hall and get like a twin brother, like a lookalike, maybe Steve Hall to come out and be the the, the fake special guest referee, like an Earl and Dave Hebner thing. Steve, who's Steve Hall? I don't. Uh, is that he's, Dave Hall's brother. He's Steve Pesadal Hall from Texas. Yeah, like I don't know. Uh, he's. I, I hear he, he's. 
<laughs> yeah. No, Steve Hall, former concussion cast guest, by the way. It's okay. So before we go totally off the rails and and, and devolve into hilarious in jokes, um, so you have the element of deserves and the element uh, element of entertainment. And so sometimes, and you see this with you know certainly Torah Cup is different than the UFC, but sometimes you see people get fights that they wouldn't quote deserve unquote on the merits. Most obvious example being like CM Punk is in the UFC without ever actually having fought MMA. And so I see sometimes like on some of these cards, it's like, okay, well, that person perhaps has not competed as actively as you would have liked or done as well. But like perhaps they bring a lot of fans. They bring a lot of of tickets. Is that is that in your thought? It sounds like that's not in your thought process at all. So one one way I'd look at that, like when you especially when you like look at like the USC and like the CM Punk thing, right? You've got like the like the freak show or whatever you want to call it, like the spectacle. We're bringing this guy in to sell tickets, right? Well, look at your jujitsu like your your real jujitsu c- competitors and practitioners. We're not; you, they're not falling for that. They don't care. We're we're a, they're a more intelligent community, right? And, and I I assume and I believe that the jujitsu community as a whole is much more intelligent than that. I don't I don't need a spectacle. I don't need to be wowed. For me, like. For me, if I get two guys that I know are great competitors that always go out there and like put it on the line, if I get them to fight go against each other, this is going to be great. Either like, either it's really close and it's back and forth chess match, or like one person dominant. I don't, it's going to be good either way though. Like I, I don't see how it could be bad from from the perspective of somebody that appreciates the sport and the technicality of it. Like it's either going to be an explosive like dynamite match. Or it's going to be a slow grind out kind of. Let's see how this chess match plays out. Those are both like two sides of jujitsu. I'm interested to see either one. I, I I don't need somebody like riding in on a tricycle with light shining all over the place, acting a fool, to like make me want to watch this match. I, I don't need that. I, like I'd rather have two people walk in there that trained real hard and are ready to compete, mm-hmm. like, and and put it on the line. You know, and I feel like especially the jiu-jitsu community in North Carolina like that I've been around it's like we're here to see good matches like I don't need I don't need a spectacle I don't need a circus like if you tell me that guy's really good and that uh, that other guy's really good all right well, let's see who's better right and like some of these matches like in my process was like man I haven't seen that guy get like lose in a long time I haven't seen that guy lose in a long time let's have them fight each other then one of them loses like what right like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, when you take these great competitors, like, I, I don't see how it's going to be bad. Like, they have track re- records of putting on great shows. Mm-hmm. Your philosophy is this of, 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 like, what you want to see is really similar to mine in the sense that I want to see high-level technical jiu-jitsu between people that have a proven, consistent record of victory. And, and I think that you're absolutely right in that, like, you know, because one of the benefits of jiu-jitsu being sort of a, a more niche enterprise is the audience is largely more educated than a person that just wants to see someone get hit in the face real hard. And they don't, don't really matter if it's, like, a technical one-two combo as long as somebody gets the slobber knocked out of them. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just a different, different, different thing. So uh, I'm gonna, we're going to do a little radio without a net here for the next five minutes because I don't know. Uh, I'm going to run something by you that that uh, that uh, is kind of breaking news. So there've been a lot of super fight cards popping up lately. You know, Pro Jiu-Jitsu's doing a great job. Toro Cup's been doing. I like. Uh, you know, I'm biased, but I think Toro Cup's been doing really well as well. Um, one thing I'm interested in is how Jiu-Jitsu event shows are going to evolve and like whether it's just going to be all right. We just put together. Matches. So you mentioned like I, I, like uh, the, you know we talked about Kakuto. We talked about like what do you think of tournament bracket 
jujitsu ma- super fight cards. Like you have eight people and you you go in a bracket. Like that that because that's one of the things that, that we talked about with CJ. Like those shows. Like what what do you think about those shows as compared to? Super fight cards per So, se. like, a show where we would have... Like, eight brown belts at 150. And that would be the show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's cool. Mm. I'm, I'm interested in that. I think that's... Mm. It's kind of along the same thing. You're gonna, you, you find eight of, like, the top competitors, and we're going to find out who the best is. Mm-hmm. And put them on the stage to do it. Um, I think a lot of the super fight shows, like, across the country, they're, they're blowing up. Like, some of these things, they're, like, bigger... They, you know, the size of or bigger than MMA productions now. Like uh, fight to win their promotion. Have you, have you seen any yeah. of those? They're huge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a res- a show called Respect out of Chicago, or it might be, I think it's Chicago. But they run like a really high classy event, high level, and bringing in like big game guys. And I think they're gonna they're gonna keep growing and keep happening like that. Mm-hmm. So on a on a bit of a different note, and like this is, and you'll you'll see why I'm asking in a second is. Uh, Mostly in North Carolina jiu-jitsu, we have a pretty strong scene that I think emanates out from North Carolina, where we have you mentioned you mentioned the Corbets, you know, a lot of folks in Virginia, and people, in my experience, want to see the local talent, the talent up and down the East Coast. What do you like as a matchmaker? What do you think about bringing in national talent for local shows? Do you think it's something that people want to see here in North Carolina, like, or do you think it's, uh, or we should truly focus on the local homegrown folks? Like, what do you mean? Do you mean like, like for, having some? Like for, like, for example, the Jeff Munson, uh, Dan Miller is one example. Or, you know, that that's one exa- that's one example. Or if, like, let's say you could bring down one of the meows or bring down somebody that, that it has no connection to the local area or maybe a minimal connection but is a prominent, famous competitor. So I kind of, I kind of do that or I kind of, like, adequate that like I, like I used to when doing uh, MMA, matchmaking for MMA. And people would always ask me about pro MMA shows. Why don't you do pro shows? Why don't you do pro shows? Well, because, like you said earlier, the way that the the audience is coming are these people coming to support their friends and family, right? 90% of the people that are there in the crowd, or we'll say, we'll say like 75% of the people in the crowd, might not even do jujitsu. They're just parents, friends, family, coworkers, people that are coming to watch these people and support them, right? Just like at an MMA fight. You know, I I, I want to say about seventy five percent of the tickets that would get sold for amateur MMA fights were sold by the fighters to their friends and family. Like these aren't people that are like going online and seeing like, oh man, there's an MMA fight in Durham on Saturday. Grab the wife, let's go to the fights. Like they're that's just not really. You might get like five five percent like that, ten percent, but that's not your that's not your main market, right? And it's the same thing. You know, like like Jeff Munson and Dan Miller. Those are two two great guys, two high level grapplers. But I don't know if they sold any more tickets because of that. You know what I mean? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I highly doubt anybody came just to see those guys. They came to see all the other people they put on the card. Like it, it, that's my opinion. I, that's actually certainly my sense too. And like to be honest, and this could be a broader conversation. Sometime we have you back, but like. I've looked into I've learned a lot looking into concussion cast numbers and like who downloads us and where they download us from and such like that. And one thing that I'm always been surprised about is that 
the famous people, like the the legendary jujitsu, you know, Michelle Nicolini, who's won the worlds a bunch, and like you know, uh, uh, Robert Drysdale. I thought his was awesome. Yeah, I thought his was, was great. I, well, I'm, thank you. Was, <laughs> and I thought it was great too. And see, these are people that I'm. And one of the great things about having a radio show and podcast is you get to talk to people you actually just want to talk to, right? <laughs> like I, I want to talk to Bagels for an hour. Let's have Bagels in the studio. But 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 it mirrors the ticket sales principle you make as well, where it's like I, I have a bunch of you know there are people who listen to the show who aren't from North Carolina, who don't do jiu-jitsu, who are, you know, but they're not the main folks. The main folks that, that you know, people are really interested in hearing from Tony Casares, you know, hey, this, you know, really nice, really technical guy that people like, owns a school, you know, he's, he's been around and, and people want to see. And, and this is one of the things that makes me happy about being a part of this scene is that unlike people that like go to maybe MMA fights nationally who are like, I have no connection to these fighters, but boy, do I want to see you know, I'm just rooting for some something bad to happen to one of them so I can be entertained. <laughs> it's like people that are like, oh, my friend John is fighting. I'm going to buy a ticket and go support him. Oh, my, my cousin is fighting. I'm, I'm going to try. And it's more being for something than being against something, if that makes sense. For sure. For yeah. sure. You have, a, you have a room full of people that are there to support somebody. Like everybody's there in a positive manner, you know, for the most part. Nobody's there to like boo the other person, <laughs> right? It's like that's why everybody, you know, there's always a great environment, jiu-jitsu tournaments or especially these super fight things. People are always happy. Everybody's very supportive of one another. Competitors are usually very happy and friendly towards one another. It's a great environment. Yeah, I completely agree. And and so to close out, we got a couple minutes left. And I want to return by uh, returning to John Bagelstel for the competitor. So there's a bunch of, you know, tournament stuff. Where do you see yourself going as a competitor? We have a bunch of, you know, U.S. grappling tournaments, IBJJF tournaments coming up. What are where, where do you see yourself going competitively in the next months to a year? So I have in three weeks I'll be in Chicago for the Chicago Open, Gi and No Gi, and then the week after that, the August twentieth, I'll be in Boston for the Boston Open. Um. Then September we have U.S. Grappling Virginia Beach, and I'll be in Dallas for. The Dallas Open and then the Dallas Nogi Open. And then I'll be back for U.S. Grappling. <laughs> and then Nogi Pans. And then the IBJJF Pro. And then uh, IBJJF Charlotte. Why are you and so lazy, Bagels? Why, I, are you, why are you so lazy? Why you never compete? Why uh, you never put yourself on the so line, look, man? Like, it works like this. Like I have to look at my schedule, right? And with, with U.S. Grappling and stuff, like... There's tournaments that, like, I can only get to so many a year because a lot of the events, like, especially, like, Atlanta and New York events will be the same date as U.S. grappling events. And so I can't do that, right? And those are the events that, like, they're really hard for me to pass up because they're the cheapest ones to do. They're so close. So whenever I have an event that lines up with my schedule, I, like, have to do it. I can't can't miss these opportunities to try to, like, to get on the mat and get as much like experience as I possibly can and try to like prepare myself to get to that next level. John Bagels Telford is a brown belt at Forged Fitness. He's one of the most accomplished and active competitors in the area and a guy that does a ton to support the local scene. John, it's always a pleasure to have you in the studio. Do you have anything you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you to all my sponsors for supporting me, my coaches, my family, my amazing girlfriend, Beverly. And uh, thanks again to Josh Murdoch for a great match yesterday. It was really the match of the night, folks, and I'm sure the Projitsu guys will put it up. So if you get the chance to see it on Facebook, we will share it on our Facebook page as well. You can also see a complete list of the Projitsu results at facebook.com slash cagesideradio. 
We will be back here in one short week with a very exciting surprise guest. Upcoming guests are also going to include... It's uh, Pikachu. It is Pikachu, or or Peekaboo, or uh, I can't think of anything that rhymes with either of those two things. However... <laughs> We're going to have some awesome guests in the next three weeks, so y'all, please tune in. Follow us on Facebook, uh, Cageside Radio, on Twitter and Instagram at Cageside Whoop. Email us at CagesideWhoop at gmail.com to let us know who you want to see on the show. Uh, I am Jeff Shaw, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.